This house is clear. Losers? Get him the hell out of here, will you please? Losers! Let's go, Ace. Losers. Let me get hurt. Base one to unit one. Base one to unit one. Hold it, you mother! Hold it! Police! There's been a break in at Democratic headquarters, and they were bugging the place. Woodward, Bernstein, you're both on the story now. Don't get up. Redford. I'm Bob Woodward of the Washington Post. Mr. Markham, are you here in connection with the Watergate burglary? I'm not here. Hoffman. Hi, uh, this is Carl Bernstein of the Washington Post, and I was just wondering if you can remember... All the President's Men, the story of the two young reporters who cracked the Watergate conspiracy. White House. Howard Hunt, please. He might be in Mr. Colson's office. Who's Charles Colson? Did you know uh, Howard Hunt? Well, the White House said he was doing some investigative work. What do you say? They stumbled into leads. Certainly it comes as no surprise to you that Howard was with the CIA. No, no surprise at all. They tripped over clues. We'd like to see all the material requested by the White House. All White House transactions are confidential. His whole thing is a cover-up. It's right on our nose. And piece by piece, they solve the greatest detective story in American history. There is no way the White House can control the investigation. I, I don't want to say anymore, OK? Have you been threatened if you tell the truth? Is there a cover-up? Don't you understand what you're on to? Mitchell knew? Of course, Mitchell knew. Woodward! Bernstein! Get in here! At times, it looked as if it might cost them their jobs. You guys are about to write a story that says the former attorney general, the highest-ranking law enforcement officer in this country, is a crook. Their reputations. Why is the Post trying to do it? I don't know. Perhaps even their lives. This is going to be really fun. I never get to talk about this movie. It is absolutely one of my favorites. It is, it, I, I think, it is the perfect movie to be talking about right now. Um... And and so yeah, you just say fucking win. I I, we, I think we already started. I, I think we already oh, started talking uh, about all the president's men here with Bo Ransdell, and I am Darren Wilson, and this is the Psycho Semantic Podcast. And there we got that out of the way. Yeah. Hey, guess what, Darren? We fucking won. There is a noticeable dread in my last recording, and I think it's palpable, which I guess is the same thing as saying noticeable, but. Yeah. Well, look, I think everybody was on edge. We, and I think rightly, like all. Oh, sorry. 
don't even worry about this. I don't know what that was. Oh, a little bit behind the scenes. We started an hour earlier than we planned, and that was my alarm to tell me I had an hour to get ready. Hmm. <laughs> well, in an hour from now, remind past you that you've already started. I will. Well, actually, I won't, because you know what? I could think of fewer things more enjoyable to do than continuously or continually discussing this movie with a dear friend. No shit. I, I mean, on both counts, this is a delight. But but let's say, like, here here's my thing about the Biden victory. Um, is, I, as, as I was saying, I think everybody was tense in the lead up because all the polls were like, look, don't worry about this. Like, he's up by 130 <laughs> in, in Wisconsin. Uh, you know, like Michigan, we can't even measure it. He He's got it in the bag so much. Florida, done deal. North North Carolina, maybe not. Maybe not North Carolina, but Texas for sure. <laughs> um, so you were getting a lot of that, which is fun. Those are fun conversations to have. But also I think that Democrats who had gone through the uh, the 2016 heartbreak um, were, were skeptical even then. And then when Florida went election night and, or, you know, it was clear that Florida was just not going to be what the Democrats had envisioned, um, that there, that sinking feeling came back. And it's been kind of interesting to me to see this growing optimism that started Wednesday when it was like, Oh shit, the more they count, the better this looks. And, by the time you got to like Thursday, Friday, like Democrats had gotten cocky about that shit. <laughs> and we're just like, the fuck, call it. Why aren't you calling it? Come on, motherfucker. And then finally, you know, obviously Saturday, they, uh, they called Pennsylvania and, and it was all over. Um, at that point, man, that was like, I legitimately rolled tears and I had, I, it, I didn't intend to, I wasn't like, you know, expecting to be celebrating or, or feeling that emotional about it because it it had seemed like a foregone conclusion, uh, you know, for the past couple of days. But but when the the news agencies, the various news agencies, started saying, you know, yes, Biden is is going to be the the president elect, um, it was such a, a you know to use your word uh it was such a palpable sense of relief and and so when you started seeing like uh shots on the news of these spontaneous parties and celebrations that were taking place uh you know spreading covid hither and yon in in yeah some people in, slacked uh, in that department cities. hey look man like i i'm not saying that it was smart i'm saying i get it um there, there was a moment of jubilation, and uh, and I, it was, it was really wonderful, and it was, it was close. It was closer than anybody wanted it to be. Um, it was occasionally terrifying, um, but at the end of the day, it, it, you know, it turned out to be exactly what everyone thought the election was going to be, which was, hey, it's going to look night of like Trump won. 
And then as the mail and provisional ballots are counted, then it's all going to turn around. Yeah. And, and the, the optics is the reason why the Republican legislature in Pennsylvania made sure that you couldn't process the mail-in ballots until after the other ones. Well, all right. But so that was the whole Trump game, right? Was we're going to have all the Republican legislatures uh, attempt to push counting of mail-in ballots to after the election and then part two of the plan of this this stupid fucking 3d chess that trump was playing <laughs> is i'm gonna go to the courts and say any ballot that is received or counted after election day doesn't count so you say you can't count them till after election day and then you sue to say that they don't count if you count them after election day and the problem is part two of his plan didn't work because that is not how the law works. And like, you can say what you will about the number of Republican appointees on the court. It is disturbing. It is something that I don't know. We, we understand the full scope of yet and, and the danger of it. But at the end of the day, these Republican judges have thrown this shit out of court because it's nonsense. Yeah, I think one of the cases was thrown out by a W. Bush appointee. Speaking of recounts and delayed election results. Um, right, and, well, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. You know, it, it, well, I was going to say that, you know, the, the differences between something like this and, and 2000 is that there's a clear winner. That even if you, like, the closest margin is what, Georgia right now? Yeah. Which is already going to recount and doesn't factor into the electoral votes that Biden has won. So, again, I don't get twisted around the axle too much about the shit that Trump is doing, because one of the benefits of Joe Biden winning is I don't have to care anymore about <laughs> Donald Trump. And so I've just kind of like every now and again, I'll check a news site and it's like, what's he doing? Oh, nothing. He's just he's continuing to lodge lawsuits. And, and telling people that he's going to be the president next year. Okay, whatever. Like, let him do whatever the fuck he wants. It doesn't matter. He's not the president, you know? He's, I mean, he's the president now, but he's he's lame duck. He, none, none of this shit matters. Like, all of this flailing and protesting and all that stuff. Um, and, and I like to think there has been a very, uh, a very noticeable sense of, like, all right, whatever. Just kind of a shrug when it comes to him, like, I'm I'm still the president. I'm like, all right, whatever. I mean. Everybody except for like Vladimir the, Putin has called Joe Biden to say congratulations. When Boris Johnson called, I was like, okay, that's, that's the one, like, that is the closest Trump analog you have outside, like, Erdogan. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, but in terms of, you know, first world countries. That's the closest you get to a Trump overseas. And and even he was, you know, he called Biden today, I think. And yeah, I mean, it's it's done. Like all the posturing and stuff. Like everybody, again, got kind of twisted around the axle about about Mitch McConnell uh, being real mealy-mouthed about the election. It's like, ah, eh, that's just McConnell. He's just not committing to it because he doesn't want to get the shit from Trump. Yeah, they've got a Georgia r runoff. Yeah, and, well, yeah, exactly, and he wants Trump voters, so he's not he's not going to say anything actively against Trump because they still want those votes. 
but I I don't think in private quarters that Mitch McConnell thinks that Trump stands a snowball's chance in hell of being president in January 21st, you know? McConnell got what he wanted. Absolutely. Got rid of Trump and and held on to the Senate. That's the, the best possible outcome for Mitch McConnell is that you have a steward of the country who's not a lunatic, but you can also hamstring any efforts to do shit that you find. Like, it's the McConnell move is don't let anything through the Senate and then complain about how Democrats won't let anything through the Senate. Yep. And then the budget's really going to matter to him all of of a sudden. Sure. Like, can you believe how much we're spending? Um, The Democrats uh, are really just... uh, But I've got my new Horcrux. See my black hand. <laughs> but yeah, that was that was something. But I'm I'm like that is that's a fight for another day. You know, like we're not there, like that's that's rough. We need to pay attention to Georgia. We need to send some money there. You need to make the calls, all that stuff. Like Georgia matters. But um there is that other side of all of this, which is eh, you have to care about politics still but you don't have to care about Trump anymore. And you, you, at least until he goes to OAN or whatever the fuck he does. And even then he's just going to be preaching to his choir at that point. Yeah. I don't check the news. The second I wake up before I even put my feet on the floor, like I used to checking to see what happened. I mean, there's still, I think I've said this before and not to make light of, abusive relationships but the most abusive relationship i've ever had has always been with my government and <laughs> oh, shit yeah <laughs> i'm afraid of what they're going to do uh, you know with with what he can a injured narcissist but it's also mostly just like i have a li- i have more confidence that everything's going to work out the way it's supposed to but I'm still being reminded here and there of things that just happened because they were tradition, not because they had to. Like, there's the Trump appointee preventing the releasing of funds and facilities to the Biden transition team. Uh, go ahead and look it up, dear listener. If you care, I will not give the date, but this is being recorded on the day four years ago in 2016 when President-elect Trump was invited mm-hmm. to be- begin his transition. That's right. What didn't what Pence and Biden met today, four years ago today, something like that. Yeah. And uh, uh, Obama invited Trump to the White House. Uh, But now Pence is going on vacation, which is a great thing for, you know. uh... (laughs) Yeah, get get out of town. (laughs) Yeah, I don't blame him. Take mommy and head for the hills. And if, you know, because what, three, two or three different people have COVID that were at (laughs) the... uh, watch party election night that yeah that's what i was gonna say man just get out of this fucking hot zone of a white house for a little while that's probably why he's heading out of town yeah. he's just like hey i don't want the covid numbers numbers are bad in indiana but not as bad as the percentage in the west wing as far as i can tell right per capita <laughs> the, the white house is one of the the, the most disease ridden locations on earth right now um and not just the moral kind of disease it normally has. Right. The uh, <laughs> the disease that I, that cannot be helped by the possible good news of the that 90% effective vaccine that 
everybody knew they wouldn't be able to apply for any sort of next level thing until mid-November, but Fredo Jr. is really annoyed thinking that a drug company did it to politically hurt his dad. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, maybe, maybe though, maybe, maybe the, the head of Pfizer was like this fucking idiot. We got to get rid of him. Look, everybody, <laughs> we, the, the vaccine's ready, but until this fucker is out of office, we're just keeping our hats on that. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't think that's the case. I think things just kind of happen when they happen. I, I tend to think, uh, because I'm not much of a conspiracy theorist, I tend to think that most shit is coincidental um even something like this especially something like this this feels like something that you know whenever it they were able to confidently announce it they were gonna and you know the fact that it happened after the election like if it happened on november 4th i think that would have been more suspect um but the fact that it happened you know a week after the election eh, all right fine if you want to bitch about it i mean the the B plot of that is oh by the way did you happen to notice how difficult it is to send anywhere like the the requirements to uh, refrigerate the vaccine are more uh, it, it's a lower temperature than literally anything else on the market and and I think like fifty degrees cooler than any truck is currently equipped to handle in the U S so they they've still got to figure out how to dispense it because it's such a delicate vaccine. So it's not like, Hey, we've got a vaccine and now we're out of the woods. It's like, Hey, now we've got a vaccine. That's great. That is great news. But now we've got to figure out distribution and manufacture on this kind of scale. I mean, because you're talking about billions of people who in theory are going to need this vaccine. Although I'm sure there are already people lining up to tell you that, it's a government conspiracy. They're going to put a chip in you or something. And I'm like, like I saw something where like the UK, I think it was like, Hey, we're not going to make the uh, vaccine mandatory. And I'm like, good, good. I hope we, we follow that same rule here. I'm sure. You know? I, I don't think, I think the Jenny McCarthy lobby will defeat any right. sort of universal movement towards that. And if, if they can't Man, transfer that... the vaccine, there will be, you know, vaccination facilities that, will become execution centers to the anti-vaxxers who will also say there's a 10-year-old study that proves that the COVID-19 vaccine causes something. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and right, I, I mean, that's entirely possible that they would have a distribution center where it's like, hey, we've got a place within two hours of everybody where you can go get a, a, a vaccination. But you're right, like immediately it would be like, the fucking V uh, lizards have, <laughs> have set up their anti-cancer tents. It's a um, slaughterhouse. Yeah. You know, but again, all right, that that's a problem that takes care of itself. You know, like I'm not, I'm not hard hearted by any stretch, but if you're going to be willingly ignorant and in the face of a pandemic that is becoming an endemic disease to our species and you're just like, you know what? I know it could kill me, but I don't want that vaccine. All right. That is that is a choice to make. Um, and and best of luck to you. I hope it works out. I'm going to have my vaccine, so even if you're all ate up with the Rona, ain't going to hurt me none. 
you know (laughs) i mean at a certain point you just gotta be like you gotta you gotta let your freak flag fly and if if that freak flag involves being an anti-vaxxer you know hey we've we've gotten off pretty easy with these these kids not being immunized against mumps and measles and shit but you have a bunch of anti-vaxxers with this uh, uh, COVID vaccine, um, you're going to see a pretty substantial death count in that community. Mm-hmm. And um, again, that's, that is the path they have chosen. And <laughs> I, I, I do not wish anyone ill will, but you, you know, there is, stu- there is such a thing as a stupid tax. And sometimes that tax could be quite high. Uh, you know, there's that whole, uh, you know, Darwin Award shit for this very thing of like, hey, if there is a pandemic and you refuse to get a vaccine and then die of that virus, well, I don't know that we could have done much for you, <laughs> you know? Yeah, if you keep pushing away the life raft, that is a bummer. Right. It's the old joke about like the guy on top of the uh the the house when the flood comes and you know the boat comes by and says like hey do, do you want to hop in the boat and he's like no 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 God's gonna save me and then a helicopter comes by drops a letter he's like no 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 God's gonna save me and uh and then like you know there's more rescuers come by and a, a motorboat and he's like no 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 God's gonna save me and then the guy drowns when he gets to heaven and he's like the fuck happened i waited for you to save me i prayed for hours and god's like look i sent you two boats and a fucking helicopter (laughs) what did you want you know that's that's this vaccine it's if if it turns out to be over 90 percent effective as they're saying and uh and and you know it's just a thing you got to get yearly or seasonally or whatever it is then yeah great humanity wins again well done humanity you yeah, know? I think I think if the numbers hold, it would be like a booster shot after six months. Yeah, like you get the initial vaccination, and then like when when the next flu season rolls around, you get your booster. And yeah, again, fine. You have two shots a year. All right, and I don't die choking on my own lung fluids. Okay, sounds great. <laughs> that sounds like a, a valuable use of my time. Yeah, and and so. I'm one of those guys with lots of tattoos that winces every time I've got to go get shots, but I get my goddamn shots. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, you know, there are just some things that just don't be stupid, you know? Um, Don't dare to be stupid as weird Al would encourage you to be (laughs) right. Even weird Al. And I know this because I know my weird Al uh, would tell you that you should be responsible and get vaccinated. That, being stupid can be a joyous, wonderful thing, like, you know, mashed potatoes being your friend. But <laughs> I love know. that you know how to go deeper into this reference. Uh, I've got a signed Weird Al set list on the shelf behind me. So, I mean, I don't know how deep you want to go. I, and, and it's a set list from the tour where he did nothing but originals called i i think it was called the shameless self-indulgence tour something like that but it was oh man it was a fucking delight does this mean we're gonna have to do uhf to talk about uh corporations taking over independent media 
Oh, oh wow. Yeah. That, that what a terrific film. And it still holds up really well. Like the, some of the references and whatnot are dated, but like that movie still holds up for me. Oh yeah. Uh, but that's a look, that's not what we're, what we're here to talk about, Darren. And I feel like we've already been burying the lead too long because so many of the themes of all the president's men um are are so relevant to the conversation about sort of what comes after the election of Biden, I think. Yes. Um and and so for I, let me just say from the outset, I have seen all the presidents been 25 times in, over the course of my life. Secretly, here's the thing, Darren. Not a lot of people know this about me. I love a newspaper story. Me uh, too. Uh, um, uh, what well, Spotlight recently was terrific. Maybe the best since all the presidents been. But I love a good like journalist on the trail of a story uh, movie. There's yeah. a, I love it, love it. The paper, newsroom, very good. The newsroom is great. Even something like broadcast news, which uh, is yeah. more parody, but it's just it's so fun because there's something to me and like I was an English major in college and I briefly flirted with the idea of going into journalism, but then I was like, eh, I'd rather make shit up. That seems like a lot of work. <laughs> journalism is hard. Don't let anybody tell you different. No, for real. And, I was a journalism major that was advised to switch to an English major because uh, by the time I was done with college, my advisor said that you could get a journalism job with an English degree. Yeah, I don't think that's right. I mean, no, it's, it's not. It's not. I'm podcasting. It's not right. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, no. I, like again, you're probably he's probably right that that could happen. The question is, should it happen? Yeah. Um, and and I think maybe uh, so. All right, I, I will say what all the presidents men when I first saw it, what it represents to me is really very little to do with Watergate. Even though it is, you know, obviously a depiction of the Watergate investigation. But to me, the movie was always about the fact that there were some people born into this world for whom the story is what mattered. And that, to me, is the story of All the President's Men, which is they, um, they, they never go so far as to lie. But like the scenes where they're like, hey, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say, okay, we know it's Porter. And, or I'm going to say, who's P? And you're going to say, I know it's Porter. And then we'll see if she's what she says. And that kind of thing. That's a non-denial denial. Right. You know, it's like, hey, I'm going to count to 10. And if, and if you don't hang up at, at 10, then I'll know that the story is right. You know, that kind of shit. But it is... But it's going to those links, right? It's it's there like there's a character, uh, and I, I can't remember exactly which one it is now, um, who tells them, um, you know, they're like, hey, you know, it's not just about the story, and and she's like, yeah, it is, and they and there's a moment there and where they kind of ref, a, a brief moment of self reflection, where they realize like, yeah, that's true. Oh. It was that guy's wife, uh, yeah, the guy, right. yeah, who who Sloan's told him he wife? had to quit. Yeah, yeah. He's like, "This is for his benefit," and she's like, "No, it's not." <laughs> right. That exactly right. You're exactly right. 
And to me, that is so much of what this movie is about, is that Woodward and Bernstein are incredibly driven to get this story. And it has to be true. Like, I'm not saying that they're they're out to get somebody or they're out to invent something, but they don't really care who gets hurt to get the story because the story is what matters. And and so a lot of times, but I also see that as heroic. You know, like that's the weird dichotomy I think of these characters uh, for me and and something I've thought about a lot watching this movie over the years is there is no question in my mind that the characters in the film of Woodward and Bernstein, you know, separating them from the actual reporters, um, that they're they're the heroes of the movie and they are absolutely doing the right thing. But they're also willing to do almost anything to do the right thing. And that's, to me, that's the interesting thing about them as, as, as people in the film. Um, I love that. I love the fact that Ben Bradley is basically newspaper God, <laughs> you know, where he just swoops in and is just like, wrong. You got it. There, there's no story. Put it on the sixth page. Yeah, put it inside. Well, this is front page stuff. You you got three of the five names. There's no story. And and also, uh, is it it? No, it's it's uh, Jack Warden who says Woodward Bernstein. You're on the Watergate story. Don't fuck it up. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. so good. Um, well, and the Bed Bradley story about Lyndon Johnson and uh, J Edgar Hoover. Yeah. Uh, oh. Sort of speaking to like what you said, he's like, I fucked up, but I wasn't wrong. And and that's kind of the, the what he what he tells him, like, you can fuck up, just don't be wrong. And and so I love all that stuff about the movie. And of course, there's, you know, it it like the Watergate story is the story of modern politics. It it is the thing that started everything else. Um, the mistrust of government, like the the Kennedy assassination, was an emotional blow, but Watergate was the thing that was like that made the presidency feel compromised in a way that nothing ever had. You know, it it humanized the presidency in a way that it was never human. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's a reason FDR didn't like to be shot in the wheelchair. You know, like, like there was a larger than life sense about the presidents that they were, they were the figureheads of this country. They were, they were like, yes, the idea was that anybody could grow up to be president, but in the same way that anybody could grow up to be Neil Armstrong, you know, uh, that they were exceptional people. And, and, and Watergate was the, the, that was the the loss of innocence for this country that our leaders are not always going to be looking out for us that they're they're human beings and in the case of Richard Nixon an incredibly fallible human being um you know not only was he he a criminal but he was paranoid and and narcissistic and you know that like he shares a lot of traits with Trump and and Trump has certainly pulled some shit from the the Nixon playbook whether he meant to or not um, but you know, like Trump is the, the much exaggerated version of Nixon. Like he is the Nixon who didn't 
quietly record conversations with Kissinger and just tweeted all the crazy shit he thought, you know? I'm telling Stephen Miller, I'm telling Haldeman to fucking send those checks. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, you, I'll tell you what, you tell uh, you tell Pompeo that uh, you, they can take them black fellows down in Georgia. Um, like, all, Nixon was... like. Nixon was quietly racist where Trump was overtly racist. And it's nice I can talk about him in the past tense. Even though he's still technically president, he's still the ex-president in my heart. And so, yes, like Trump was our most racist, overtly racist president without going back to like the 1800s. Right. Like his boy, uh, Andrew Jackson. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Right. Like going back to old, old Stonewall. Um, that that's how far back you have to go. And, and the thing about all the presidents men and it was quaint and it's sort of why there, there's almost a weird doubling effect here where all the presidents men tells the story of sort of the loss of innocence of, of media. And, Media has since, like, you know, newspaper media and news media in particular. And then starting with the advent of, uh, like, Fox News and MSNBC and, and more partisan outlets like that, um, there was a loss news. of innocence. Yeah, that like, there's been a loss of innocence with the media because now, like, this is the first time in history that I can think of where you can say, depending which news outlet you're reading, you just may not get the truth. And, and that's, that's something that didn't necessarily happen. You know, at the time of all the president's men, man, you had to like find an underground zine to find this kind of outrageous, like slander and fallacy that you now find on, on purported, news blogs um and and so you know eventually someone will make the all the president's men (laughs) of uh of the news media maybe that was what the uh uh shit what was the nicole kidman movie uh where they took down roger ailes oh shit bombshell bombshell was it bombshell yeah it, it certainly was so yeah, maybe Bombshell is kind of that movie, but it like the movie needs to be about the fact that news has become fundamentally corrupted. And uh our popular news media is fundamentally corrupted. And and that's it, like it's it's frustrating because all the president's men feels quaint now. And I am sure that this kind of journalism, like we saw it through the Trump years, there were, there were outlets that were doing fucking amazing investigative journalism, but that, that happened in an echo chamber where only people who were open to, you know, truthful news (laughs) were, were getting it. You know, it's not like, at the time where there were only three news sources because there were only three television channels and maybe you uh, read the local paper, but that was still going to be largely the same information. It wasn't going to be so wildly different that, you know, you couldn't have 
a shared set of knowledge with your neighbor. And, and that no longer exists. We don't live in a world where, you know, your next door neighbor could be getting the same facts that you are. And, uh, and that's fucking crazy. That's like that. That is the thing that Trump was a symptom of, you know, when everyone says like, well, Trump wasn't the problem. Trump's a symptom. That is what he was a symptom of. The fact that there is a, in, there is a, a, you know, as John Edward, Edwards once said, there are two Americas. Only instead of being the ones that he could fuck and the ones he couldn't, <laughs> it's it it's the ones who are kind of into right wing news, and then there's kind of everybody else. And and I'm gonna sound partisan by saying that I think MSNBC is certainly rooting for the Democrats to win, but it uses mostly facts. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like that, that's the difference. I think that it, there's a lot of spin to, to, uh, some of N MSNBC's coverage, but it tends to be coverage of information that, that is not crazy and wrong. Um, yeah, I think that's a fair statement. Yeah. And I think that's the difference. Well, like, and again, Fox news, uh, when the daylight, when the, <laughs> when the sun is out, Fox News mostly traffics in facts too, you know. It's just when the night falls and the creatures come out and it's all their opinion hours that that network just goes fucking bananas in a way that no other network does. Like there is not, there is not an, an analog to a uh, a Sean Hannity. You know, he's just he's he, that guy is is. is a shill in a way for, that I I don't think I've ever seen. I would That's totally check out MSNBC or something like that way more often if they had uh, a mirror of the Sean Hannity, Tucker Carlson, Laura Ingram sort of thing. Like if they just like, okay, well, it's eight o'clock. Right. Our, our next guest is a violent black revolutionary yeah. who wants to overthrow the local uh, government of of portland oregon what do you have to say for yourself i want to kill everybody uh-huh yeah. uh-huh uh and now to now for the other side you've already firebombed the building uh how do you how do you feel about what your colleague has said i think he should have been here throwing the molotovs uh, that yes i would love that shit it's the time for the acab hour with antifa and yeah, it's like hello Holy everybody. Like, She's got puppets and everything. I'm like oh, I'm Antifa. Hello. I'm Jim. I'm Jim Antifa. <laughs> Here to overthrow your local fascists. Yep. Thirteen twelve, um, everybody. Thirteen twelve. I, you know, the Antifa stuff. That is one of those things that it, it's for people in uh in kind of that Trump orbit. I think it's difficult for them to understand that Antifa is kind of a vague idea at best, you know, that it's like, yeah, it's more of a, it's a movement in the same way that like Woodstock nation was a movement. <laughs> it's not really a real thing and nobody's in charge of it. It's just, you know, when shit pops off and you throw a trash can through a window, you yell Antifa. That's kind of <laughs> it, you know? Yeah. Despite what um, your libertarian friends like, might say. 
Right. Like, I don't, I would be the perfect person to receive an Antifa newsletter. There just ain't one. <laughs> it's not that organized. I wish it was, you know? Uh, it, it, I would like something a little more aggressive than the shit I get from, you know, Pod Save America. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which, which is, you know, yeah, they're, they're critical, but they're not talking about overthrowing shit. Oh, that, maybe if you go into the love it or leave it, it's a little bit closer to that, but still not even then. I don't know if you listen to them. Yeah, I like love it or leave, love it, or leave it a lot. I'll tell you the uh, here's the, my my favorite political podcast right now is uh, a show called Hacks on Tap. And I like it because it is very much a horse race kind of show. Um, and very and much less about evaluating the ethics of the politics and more just about the effects of the politics. Uh, it's uh, uh, David Axelrod and uh, Mike Murphy who ran uh, McCain's campaign and um, uh, uh, Bob Bob Gates. Do I have that right? That's, that sounds right. Yeah. But it's it's those guys, and then they have kind of a rotating bench of like, you know, uh, Heilman and um, Alex Wagner's popped up a couple of times, and 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 folks like that, people who have been, you know, running campaigns for decades, and so it's a lot of old old professionals talking about how to run a campaign, and I love that as a political show now because it it <laughs> there's a lot of joking about republicans and democrats but nobody is pitching an agenda on the show and and i dig that it's uh it's very practical politics and and, and something i think that's going to be valuable in the uh th certainly the next couple of years as as you're talking about like navigating a a re republican senate although narrowly like there is Here's the thing that that I think is encouraging about the the Senate makeup as it is. It, um, it's not terribly encouraging for folks like me and you, Darren, who are like, you know, what would be great public health care. Uh, it's not great for that, but it, it's real good for COVID relief. Um, it's going to be economically, it's probably going to be really good. Because you're going to be able to swing for a couple of regulations that maybe you wouldn't get thanks to, uh, like a Susan Collins or somebody like that. I like. Here's the thing. I think that because Trump is no longer going to be there bullying Republicans, it's going to be a little bit easier to split off a couple on more moderate kind of legislation. That's not exciting by any stretch but it will improve people's lives and at the end of the day that's kind of what we have to be cool with um you know like we're we're a lot of good things are going to happen when biden steps in and and undoes a lot of trump's executive orders and has some eos of his own that like he's talking about an eo to just dismiss the first fifty thousand dollars of student debt in the first uh, few days. That would that's, be sweet. That's fucking crazy. If he does that, are you, and, and that's not like, 
hey, somebody whispered it, that's like coming out of the transition is like, oh yeah, these are the executive orders that that he's thinking of uh, of, of signing in the first hundred days. And th- how life-changing would that be? You know, that's, anyway, like that's the kind of shit when people say, uh, it didn't matter between Trump and Biden. This is the kind of shit I'm talking about. Like, Trump would never think of doing something like this. No, he'd increase uh, the interest rates if he could. Right. Because Betsy like, DeVos owns fucking student loan collection company. It, right. It is in, like, they were in it for themselves. Biden, say what you will about the dude, Biden is an honest-to-goodness public servant. And and I know that sounds corny and people don't buy that, but I think that's what he is. I mean, yeah, he's got a hint of, you know, self-absorption and narcissism. Every every politician does, but not like not to the extreme of a Trump. And also, he's a dude who, again, has has shown again and again and again and again that he's like a a, a like emotional empathetic person that genuinely cares about his fellow man and that that's gonna make such a world of difference like you're gonna see actual things happen to reunite the uh albeit rocking 666 kids um who i think that was the last number i saw that don't know where their parents are at the border like biden won't let that stand that shit is going to get fixed or to the best of our ability to the best that you can undo something that horrifying, but that's the kind of shit like actual real world. Good things are going to happen to people because we won this election and, and despite all the trouble in the Senate and all that stuff to come, that's why I'm still so optimistic and excited because like a, a decent human being is in the white house and, and what more could you possibly want? Even, even if it were Republican, I would take that. I would take that difference between Trump and another Republican. If it was just like, give me a John McCain, you know, somebody like that, that I disagree with totally. But I also think that he cares about people or, you know, did when he was alive. So I don't know. I, you know, it, it's one of those things I keep coming back to of, of like every time I start to feel frustrated with like there are going to be some really serious fights to come and some of those we're going to lose, um, I I we just got to keep reminding ourselves the cost of letting somebody that doesn't know what the fuck they're doing and doesn't care, furthermore doesn't care what the cost of that has been, and um and you know the other side of that is is figuring out how to reach out to people who did think it was a good idea. Um, and that kind of gets back to our all the presidents men conversation is how do you pierce that that stream of information that they're getting from sources that are never going to give them the kind of information that you and I are discussing on this show things like forgiving fifty thousand dollars of student loan debt I'm pretty sure that's not front and center on Fox's coverage of Joe Biden I'm sure you know? it's not and if it is it's well, you had to pay off your seven hundred dollars in student loan costs in nineteen eighty five. Why should some liberal agenda leftist student blah 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 blah? You know that that's about as much student loan debt I has I still have left. 
Yeah, I I got I don't think I have that much. Uh in in fact I'm certain I don't have that much and um so yeah, there there's every chance in the world where that to happen I would have a portion of debt just disappear. Um that's fucking crazy. And and even if not like I, even if it didn't happen to me, even if there was some rule that like hey, it has to be within the past 20 years or whatever. That's you so know, or wonderful. even starting today. Right, even if it was just starting today anyone who is currently in college even if that's the starting point you know like i understand that then fucking great that means that generations moving forward that means that there there would be generations of of latino and black kids and other minority kids who are statistically buried by financial debt with with college that would never have that problem that they would they would actually emerge from college on on an even playing field. That's that's epic. That is so that is such good news for this country, and 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 it's right around the corner. Like it could be that could be something that three months from now is just a thing that happened because because we won. Yeah, I've I've never been a pull up the rope ladder person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. What. That's like this whole notion of, hey, we leave the world a little better than we found it so that the next generation has a little bit better. That's all this is. It's the, you know, seven generations idea. Um, right. Like, and, and look, here, all right, Darren, here's the other fucking ugly truth of all of this. <laughs> all right. It's a good time for it. Yeah. Let's get to some ugly truth. The other ugly truth is that we, as, as Democrats and progressives and liberals or, you know, whatever label you want to ascribe, um, we've got to be cool with Trump people. We've got to be cool because they're not going to be cool with us. Like somebody's got to be the bigger person here and it's got to be us. So we, we got to be cool. But they, I we don't want them to in. get uh, consolation prizes in the cabinet. I, no, no, no. I, I that's not what I mean. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm talking. No, no, no. Fuck that. Like they look. They fucking lost. All right. That's just how it goes. Um. You want to put like I don't know. Like you put Ben Sass in there doing some fucking thing with the farmland, whatever. Fine. Fine. John Kasich can go fuck himself though. <laughs> yeah. I like. Fine. You you did your video at the crossroads, but again, make him an ambassador to something who cares he, he didn't earn it less fewer republicans or more republicans voted for trump this year than they did in 2016 he didn't do shit for us here in ohio so he can get a really shitty job if he's gonna get a job at all because he didn't do anything for right. he, he, yeah <laughs> be deputy mess hall inspector <laughs> yeah he he can do that. He can uh yeah. Anyway, sorry. I really hate John Kasich, but it's just because he was my governor for so long. No, I get it. I I've got no love for Kasich. I think that I mean all these Republicans, the Romneys of the world, although that's a nice move. You want to look, you want to have a good time. You pull Romney into the cabinet into some minor position and you open up his Senate seat and see what hap see what you can do in Utah. Yeah. You know. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm not for rewarding these, these Republicans who had, you know, the, 
minor backbone to slightly disagree with Trump, but still didn't vote against him with any kind of regularity or passion. Like Romney, I think, has issued the most full-throated like attacks against Trump on the Republican side. But, you know, even that's pretty thin. Uh, so yeah, I'm with you, but, but I, I mean like you and I, that, that, the, the common people on the street that even though for four years we've had to do nothing but eat Confederate flag flavored bullshit from an entire section of the country that for four goddamn years, Darren, we had to listen to like all the homophobia the xenophobia, the small-mindedness, the anti-science rhetoric that we had to put up with all that bullshit. And it stings to say this because I can hold a grudge with the best of them. But there has to be that point. At some point in this country, we we have to kind of put down the gun and somebody's got to, somebody on one side or the other has to do that first. And I I would like to see us at least try in this moment, you know, that when you have a president who is, I mean, let's be honest, he, he still has the most progressive legi- uh, legislative agenda that ever was for the Democratic Party, but he's still a moderate institutionalist kind of Democrat. I, I think we got to, I think we got to love what we have. And when you have the leader of the country saying, cut the shit, everybody's been at a real high temperature for a long time and we need to knock it off, then I think we owe it to both the president, uh, the president-elect, and ourselves to give that a shot. Uh, As as perhaps uh, a wise man once said, give peace a chance. And... And as much as it hurts and as much as the temptation to to be uh, a little bit uh, – to engage in a little bit of schadenfreude here, and I will to some degree, but uh, I, I try to, to, to come back to the idea of kindness and being able to say, like, look, the only way that we're going to get people on our side is is to show them that – we're not going to give them a hard time for decisions that they've made or, or beliefs that they still hold, you know? Um, obviously I am not excusing racism and xenophobia. As soon as someone spouts some shit like that, again, don't engage, just write them off, just, just write them off. And, 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 and you can take some small comfort in the fact that you never, ever have to listen to another thing that person says again, uh, with any degree of seriousness. But, uh, yeah, I that that's my big concern is that we're gonna have, and maybe it's just cockeyed optimism, Darren. But I'm I'm hoping that maybe there's at least a moment where it's possible that the rift in this country could be healed a little bit, that we could get back to that place where we can politically disagree with someone without painting them as our enemy. Um, I don't know. We'll see. I think that if Biden comes through with some of the things that he has said that he's going to do, 
there's going to be a decent chunk of people that were like, oh, okay, all right, cool. <laughs> right. He he didn't actually have sex with my children. Yeah, he didn't have sex with my children. Oh, I understand. He has a stutter, so a lot of the time when he stops and restarts a word or says a different word, you know, maybe I didn't have the chance to see a fish called Wanda. And I don't understand how, you know, or, you know, other things that are a little bit more educational where it's, you know, like his, I, I think his mental faculties are clearly more solid than, uh, Donald Trump's, but even so, um, I, I'm trying, I definitely did not track down all the people that have said you lost, get over it. Over the last few years, it, it, it was right. tempting. Uh, I did not do any of the rubbing again anything. And, and you know, it, I'm a, still a little just cautious because the election hasn't been certified yet. Uh, like we talked about earlier, I've got that confidence in everything, but I'm not a big pump your fist before the finish line guy anyway. But I... I I mean, if Biden can't get right wing type people to at least be like, okay, then it's fucked because he's he would have been a Republican, you know, 30 years ago. Yeah. Well, and and also and and again, I don't want to sound like I'm preaching, but my larger point is it not only has to come from him, it has to come from the people who support him. Like you said, of just biting your tongue when you're like. God damn it! Two years ago, you you said this thing that was the most outrageous shit I've ever heard, and I wanted to punch you until your face was pulp. And 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 being able to—that's the thing you got to let go—is all the people that were like, you know, fucking, I'm gonna own the libs, you know, that kind of shit. Like that's the stuff that, even even in the face of it, even now when you know you uh, you hear those people like, I'm. You know, the the election got stolen. Trump's a real president. You know, like the only, and that all started with with Trump. Like Trump, Trump is accountable for all of this bullshit. The you know, it's only, it's only a real election if I win, and if I lose, then they they stole it. Like this is one of those like the Republican Party, and I don't mean the people in the Republican Party. I mean the leadership should be fucking ashamed of themselves uh for for not standing up and being like you know what whoever wins wins that's how it works and and come like whenever the states certify a winner then that's what we're going with we should count Um, all the legal votes like no fucking shit that's the vote those are the votes that are getting counted jackass yeah well done yeah, and like all this stuff about observers not being able to see and all that kind of shit. Like all that stuff has been disproven time and time and time again by all accounts. And I'll be look, if if somehow Joe Biden was the head of some criminal cabal that was able to manipulate the election, then he should be prosecuted, like this should be investigated. There there should be a Woodward and Bernstein sniffing their way through this. I just don't believe such a conspiracy exists and if that is not the conspiracy then it's just a bunch of people with sour grapes ronan farrow would have found out if he was 
beyond uh, creepy. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. Like, a Woodward and a Bernstein, would it have mattered if the president was a Democrat? Fuck no. No, I mean, one was... That was one of the things about their team was uh, Woodward was a Republican, and he was waspy, and he was new. And Bernstein had been around forever, but he's like, oh, this... This means that this thing happens, but I can't prove it, you know, and then they just fucking played off each other and it just sort of they they became to have like that shared hive mind. And the, one of the things that I really like was that in the making of the movie, um, uh, Hoffman told Redford that they should learn each other's lines. That way, whenever they felt like it, they could interrupt the other person and take over. And uh, Alan Pacula was like, great. Yeah. And, you know, it's just one of those funny, and, like in the making of there, there's Redford and there's Hoffman. We got William Goldman from Princess Bride and Butch Cassidy and Marathon Man and Pacula. What did he do? He did the he did the trilogy, right? He also did Parallax View and Clute. He did indeed. Uh, which, you know, Clute, I, I guess that's going to have to get covered because I've already yeah. done Parallax View. Right, you'll have to complete the, the Pacula trilogy, the Pacula pack. Yeah, the Pacula pack, the Pacula Fecta. But, you know, like, uh, <laughs> the, I don't, they didn't really like each other, but they worked together. And their different traits really just sort of made the team. Yeah, I, I by all accounts, um, yeah, that that it was a really like an unusual partnership between two very different dudes. But yeah, like you said, I, I read that same thing about them learning each other's lines. I I thought that was very cool. Um, yeah, there there really is uh, sort of a, a magic to to chemistry and a moment. You know, like they were the right people at the right time. And the the thing sometimes I like to look through terrible reviews of like unassailably great movies like this where I'm like, let me, let let me read the one stars and see what they say. And in this one, like some of it was like, this is all liberal propaganda. (laughs) Uh, I was like, "Eh, all right. I mean, it's kind of famously one of the most like accurate films to ever be made, but whatever. I think the only thing that is inaccurate is that uh, the thing with the, um, uh, him sneaking into Ned Beatty's office that that never happened. And they had Ben Bradley there. They had mm-hmm. their, uh, they had they each sort of all hung out with Woodward and Bernstein, and Redford was all concerned because it was. I mean, this was 1976. Nixon left yeah. office four years before that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so yeah. It it wasn't like watching it now. It's like, oh, this is a history. No, that I mean. It, it, people were denying the movie saying they didn't want to make it because who doesn't want who wants to hear more about Watergate and you know Robert Redford was just really into it and uh, in one of the interviews I saw that that was one of the reasons why he got so weird about it. I mean they brought trash from the Washington Post to their soundstage where they recreated the Washington Post yeah Oh, did uh, all right. Here's another little fun fact. The only thing in the movie fully lit is the interior of the the post office. 
the Washington Post office. Everything else that has shadows, at least even in the sunlight and stuff, you see shadows in every shot. Speaking of which, I guess we should bring up Gordon Willis, the cinematographer. Yeah, it like this looks like a documentary. That's what I love about it. Is it looks like a documentary, but it is also steeped in that kind of seventies grittiness. So all the shots, there's like those uh, those shots inside the uh, uh, the parking garage when he's meeting Deep Throat, and it's just like this gorgeous darks and only these very sparse uh columns of light and uh it like uh, it's just it like it looks beautiful but it also looks looks real i mean like it it looks like a documentary of the time uh and and and, and that goes to the performances too like everything feels like it was meant to be as authentic as possible to the moments it's trying to capture and you know it's some of the the conversations that they have are kind of stilted and a little wooden and and that kind of thing but that sort of like that is the dance of trying to get somebody to give you information and i got it all right so redford and 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 dustin hoffman are are both terrific in this movie and i think my favorite scene to illustrate that is that first scene where hoffman starts rewriting him Yes. When he comes over and he's like, hey, what are you doing? And he's like, look, uh, he, I put Colson up top. You know, I rewrote this. I, I reshaped it a little bit. Look, you read yours and you read mine. I think mine's better, but we'll do whatever you want. And he's like, okay. And he reads it. And then he just walks away, grabs all the notes that he's been taking, and dumps them on Bernstein's desk. And he says, if you're... <laughs> If you're gonna, uh, what is it? If you're gonna punch me up, make sure you get the facts straight. Yeah, I don't mind what you did. I, I mind the way you did it. Yeah, that line is so fucking good. That's one of those things that has stuck with me over the years. Is in, in, in just kind of how you treat people, right? Like, if you want to help somebody, don't don't help them and then act like an asshole about it. You know, <laughs> like like. <laughs> Uh, don't don't make it hard for them to thank you. Um, and I think that uh, that moment between them kind of it 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 also casts aside their rivalry, you know, where where Woodward is just like, look, you're right. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue that point, and I'm a big enough person to admit it. But also, don't be a dickhead to me. And I like that. And they're they sort of trade off not necessarily a one for one but in their different styles of reporting each one has their different moments where they're like man you really fucked that up <laughs> yeah yeah I, one of my favorites of that is like when when bernstein they go to uh yeah i think it's one of the secretary's houses where he's like uh hey can we just come in for a second and she's like oh i don't think so and when redford goes oh we don't want to come in we just have a question yeah, like I'm gonna cut I'm gonna cut the legs and, and Hoffman looks pissed about it. <laughs> like, look, man, I know what you're doing here, but goddamn, that would, like you really just cut the legs right out from under him. Um But again, I think that goes to the point of like they're not necessarily great people, even to one another, you know? Like what they're doing is heroic and, and what they they manage to do is 
you know, Herculean, but they're also just kind of dudes. And they, they and, grinded it. Out. They gra- grinded it, grinded, ground it out. Ground? Yeah, ground yeah. it out, I think. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the last shot of the movie, too, is as uh, what he's being, Nixon is is taking his second inauguration, and it's just them at their typewriters pounding out all the shit that is about to take this dude down, yeah. um, as well as, you know, the teletype across the screen letting you know uh, who who got what and, and the chronology of, like, you know, like... Um, uh, one of my favorites is, is the the quick turnaround from like Nixon says he'll never resign, and then like one other story, second line, Nixon resigns, yeah. August nineteen seventy two, yeah, Nixon resigns, and then um, no music in the fucking credits, just yeah, boom. There's very little music overall, kind of contributing to that documentary feel to it, um. And there's that great moment. Uh, I know I'm just kind of bouncing around, just like, hey, remember when? But when when Hoffman uh, shows up after like getting the scoop from that one lady, and has all the notes, and he's been drinking coffee all night, <laughs> so he's just wired as shit. Here's a matchbook. Here's a napkin. What the right, fuck? like I was writing, I was writing right now on anything I could get my fucking hands on. I, I did nothing but drink coffee and take notes. I thought she was gonna um, throw me out. Yeah. <laughs> oh man uh it's like you know those one-star reviews in addition to the liberal propaganda thing the other thing that they talked about was how dry and boring it is it's like well i guess if you expect it it's gonna have the pacing of say a john wick but it that's not what the movie like that's not the kind of movie it is yeah, I've it, seen movies that were that were as long or longer that didn't feel as short. Yeah, no, I think this movie rocks. Uh, like, but I'm also one of those people that's fascinated by like, oh my god, and then where did they go? And then what did she say? She's probably lying. <laughs> you know, like I love that in this movie. That like that, uh, you know, you talked about it earlier, but just that slow peeling of the onion as they think that they get this big story about like the committee to reelect being orchestrated. And then the third is like, you fucking dumb dumbs that yes, that happened, but it's also this giant like counterintelligence of push against the democratic party. Yeah. The reason why you think it's being covered up is not the reason why it's being covered up. Right, like th- that is such a small part of the larger effort that the the administration was making. And again, you know, it's that Trumpian overtone of a president using the levers of his power to attack and and get an edge on his political rivals. And I mean, that's why Nixon went down. You know, that in the cover up and they fucked that all up because they weren't very good. Like there's that great deep throat thing is like, forget the mythology of the White House. The these are not very bright people screwed up. Yeah. And and, and that's what it that's what it is. That that's what it was then and that's what it is now. You know, for all the scandals in the in the Trump presidency, I mean, it it was just a bunch of 
a bunch of malicious stuff that like whether it was consciously malicious or not a lot of the policies of the the trump administration were just malicious and and ill-conceived and stupid and stupidly applied you know like the one upside of the trump presidency has been that they've been largely incompetent and as much harm as they've done they could have done so much more harm if they knew what the fuck they were doing right if they weren't the gang who can't shoot straight, <laughs> they would have been a real threat. Like they're a threat uh, or, you know, the, the administration was a threat in so many ways, but um, you know, at, at the end of the day, it, it, they didn't shake the pillars uh, all the way. And, and that could have happened. I, a second term, I really think would have done that. Very, um, very much could have. And I think that's a good point where we should take a break play the uh the legion fund me yeah promo and then get back in and uh wrap this up talk about what could have happened talk about uh the efficient the effectiveness of stupid people and other things how's that sound (laughs) please all right uh we we will be right back this is bo from legionpodcasts.com Hey, it's been a crazy time, and when the world gets nuts, we're happy to offer some old-fashioned podcast entertainment. But for some folks, getting a laugh out of a show isn't really helping these days. People who depend on tips in their bartending jobs or have been put on furlough with no pay till the worst of this coronavirus threat has passed. That's a tough spot. That's why we set up a GoFundMe for members of our community, a sort of grand-scale take-a-penny-leave-a-penny. For people like myself, for whom the recent disruptions haven't kicked us out of work, well, we can drop a few of those extra pennies in the GoFundMe jar. For those who are directly affected by recent events and find themselves looking for money to pay the electric bill or keep the water on, well, how about you give me a shout at bo, B-O, at legionpodcasts.com. Let me know the situation and what you need, and we'll do our best to make life a little easier. And you can find links to the GoFundMe on the front page of legionpodcasts.com, on our Facebook group page, or on Twitter at Legion Podcasts, where it's the pinned tweet. For those of you who are able, thanks in advance for chipping in. And members of our community who need a hand, hey, here we are. Remember, stay safe, stay healthy, and we're all going to get through this together. Legion isn't just a name, it's who we are. Thanks for listening to all the shows here on Legion Podcasts, and we'll talk to you soon. Hello. Hello. That's one of my favorite dumb Monty Python throwaways. <laughs> Hello, Mrs. Gorilla. Hello, Mrs. Lord Gorilla. Maybe I need to do uh, Life of Brian for Christmas this year. Um, You know... I was uh I was always a fan of uh of Holy Grail obviously and I think the older I get the more I appreciate how funny Meaning of Life really is. That's uh, a good one. Yeah. <laughs> it it gets more true. This man is about to die. He's been allowed to choose his own method of execution. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Chased off a cliff by a bunch of boobs out ladies. Yeah, I'm not sure that's what I would pick, but I I I get it. Um, 
but all right so i'm glad you have topics for the the second part of the show yes. um it's it's probably good because i'll i if you let me go freeform too long eventually it always leads back to the muppet movie well which is fine i hear you are going to be doing the muppet christmas carol with duncan this this year <laughs> i heard that too you and i heard that at the same time <laughs> um i suppose so i mean look i got nothing against it i am I, I like to think that I am like eighty five percent Muppet, really. Uh, and and I uh, I adore the Muppets, um, even even the shitty Muppet movies I kind of like. But the original Muppet movie, I, I might know that movie uh, verbatim if I just sat down and tried. I did not submit uh, Emmett Otter's Jugman Christmas, but I guess there's nothing really spooky about that movie although there is the band the metal glam band of the bullies here they are the rock group known as the nightmare Yeah, that there's not much there. Um, you could you could make a pretty strong argument for any of the Rudolph stuff having some some horror elements in there. Um, but I mean, obviously, Muppet. Look, here's the thing that's going to be fun about Muppet Christmas Carol is we'll be doing Michael Caine impressions yeah. front to back, and his is all right. Mine is not. <laughs> so that'll be fun. I've got to get to work is what I'm saying. I've managed to cobble together a pretty good walk in for the view to a kill episode. Uh, now I got to turn my attention to a, a, a passable Michael Caine. I'm happy that my work has been uh, fruitless, but for four years I've been working on a Trump impression and it's not very good. Let's pretty hear it. Let's hear it. They're fake votes. The fake votes are coming in. You've you've got to understand that. See, it's it's not very. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm with you. He's he's kind of tough. He it, it's hard because he only has about thirty seven words that he uses, and so you you would think that it would be easy to just figure out how he says those words. Tremendous. Right, but he just switches it up. Like he he's a real uh, switch hitter. When it comes to his, uh, his his cadences, he's the the one thing I really like. This is my favorite Trump thing ever, in a sea of just utter shit uh, that that I thought his presidency was. Uh, the thing that I always liked hating about him was when he would be reading a speech off the teleprompter and then would like riff for a second before he went back when he hit something that he thought he knew a little something about so you know like he would be given like a covid speech and he would be like yeah the i was talking to dr burks 
She really thinks that we're coming along with a vaccine. She said it could be any day now. Uh, and and she's a special. Listen, people, she is one of the top in her field. I'm I'm telling you right now. Uh, but Dr. Burks will be here on Thursday to speak. You know, and uh, those little asides when he just detours into Trump land for a second, and it's just like you know, hey, let me riff a little bit and throw some adverbs in here that I th I enjoy. Great uh, mind, tremendous mind. Really, just the top of the class. We only have the best. Um, yeah, there. It it is a tough impression because they're just they're. It's so breathy. It's hard to it's hard to manage. I could do um, it in type. I can do a Trump ramble, if I type it out. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. It it is kind of tough. You have to sit down and think about it because, like I said, he only uses thirty seven words, and you gotta. It's like having those uh, fridge poetry magnets, you know. <laughs> Where you're trying to work him into a sentence he would say, but his sentence structure is so fucking weird because he'll do all these like, you know, sub clauses within commas. And then all of a sudden you're in all caps and all bets are off. It's just madness. Um, yeah, he's a he's a character, man. Like if he weren't so fucking harmful for our democracy there, I could get some amusement out of it. But. Every time I start to think that he's just a clown, I remember that they're like, oh, there's children who will un be com forever unable to form meaningful relationships with people because of their emotional detachment from parents at a critical time in their lives. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> they, we have we have we have cursed, uh, you know, thousands of children in, into being emotionally stunted in one form or another for their entire lives. Uh, so if it weren't for that, Darren, I, I would think it was pretty funny. Right. But yeah, according to the NBC count, it, it is 666 children yet. He is the one fighting the satanic pedophile cabal. Even right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wh why is Yeah. Why is the right wing not jumping on the fact that he's got, I have 666 children. Already to sacrifice to my dark master. No parents. No parents. Your parents are very bad people. They probably I mean, voted Democrat. It's a it's a parents free zone. Everybody's gonna get some some ice cream. Everyone really, really likes vanilla. And if you think about it, this is a very bad deal. This whole border thing. It's a bad deal. Either of us are getting better at this impression, nope. and I'm not sure how the how long the listeners are going to bear it. So we should come back to it. Uh, one of the things that I wanted yes. to talk about that I was, I have mentioned it before, but in one of the, you know, I still have some residual weirdness instilled in me from my time in the Catholic school system. Sure. You know, some uh, superstitions or whatever, but the day one agenda... Have you looked into too much of the day one agenda? Not a ton. Not a ton. Okay. Uh, I, I mean, I've, I've read some of the EO stuff, but not, not entirely. Uh, so basically the day one agenda is an activist group. But for those of you who do not know, if you just look it up, there will be things you could read. There's words. A lot of people are saying this day one agenda is very, very good. Yeah. No. A lot of wild ideas. Like, overhaul the business of Wall Street, or address climate crisis, 
or like we said before, talking about canceling lots of student loan debt, forcing drug companies to lower prices, the public option for simple mm-hmm. banking, uh, anti-monopoly legislation, uh, effectively legalizing marijuana. Think of mm-hmm. you know Biden. Uh, one of the things I, I have a lot of criticism. Uh, criticism of the man but i really like how big of a fan of public transit he is Mm -hmm. maybe we'll get some cool shit out of that but uh you know the tax revenue from decriminalized marijuana could go a long way in that i mean there's the if you make under four hundred thousand dollars a year you probably don't have to worry about his tax plan there's all sorts of other stuff that even part of me was reluctant to look too close into for you know some weird sports fan political thing like well if i read about it it'll never happen (laughs) right i'm jinxing it It, like uh, if i read uh the the, his agenda and it turns out that it's like more pudding at the 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 buffet yeah then i'd be like oh that's disappointing damn it I mean, I mean, th- clearly that's not what it is. There's, there's, there's a lot of good stuff coming out of the Biden camp right now in terms of what they're, what they're trying to do. But, um, but so day one agenda is all right. Cause I don't know nothing about this then. So they're a separate ent- entity entirely. That is, er, and I'll, I'll give you my knee jerk on, on this right away. As long as there's not an, or else then a hundred percent. That sounds like a great, a great and enthusiastic group to be part of. But if it's like, and if you don't do this, then I don't know what, we're not going to vote for you or we're going to work to undermine your agenda. Like that's, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that they have such a, a stipulation. I'm saying I, I'm all for progressive groups pushing their policies, but don't try to hold an administration agenda hostage to, to get your way. From what I understand, and like I said, I prevented myself from going too far into this. My next deep dives are going to be on gerrymandering, congressional district drawing, and uh, this. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, um, from uh, there was a person or two that I've heard interviews with about the Day One Agenda. And it seems to be more of a movement, more of an idea that is centered largely around uh, congressional scholars and lawyers who are finding out thing helpful things. A pre- this was started well before Biden was chosen as the Democrat nominee. Is basically progressive ideas and ideals that a president could do with the power that a president has. And right through executive order alone, what can you? Yeah, you know, here's what, what can you can you do? do. Yeah, here's what you can do about student loan debt. Here's what you can do about health care. Here's what you could do about this and that and the other thing. And it's more of a, I really hope you pay attention to this. We're doing a lot of the deep reading for you and simplifying. Please do some of this. I, I haven't seen any, we're going to, you know, like, meh. we've seen the DNC do to some of the upstart progressives where they threaten political companies that they will not get their business anymore if they work with somebody that uh, primaries an entrenched Democrat. 
This is more of, please do this. Please check this out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I was kind of skimming this. And a lot of this is like, hey, how about you make all the government vehicles zero emission vehicles? It's yeah. like, oh, yeah. What a great idea. And and Biden clearly has made no, you know, no bones about the fact that he wants uh, clean energy to be a job creator. So that that kind of stuff goes a long way, you know? Like if 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 suddenly uh, a, a one of the car companies had a government contract for electric vehicles, that would both create jobs and help the uh, help the planet in a substantial way. Uh, what a great idea! Okay, uh, yeah, I'm on board. This all seems great. Yeah, so I'm I'm, I'm going to be jumping into that. Yeah, I'll have to dig in as well. But this all seems like you know smart progressive stuff not not just like let's decriminalize drugs yeah. uh which is great cocaine and flying cars you dick <laughs> right all that stuff is great but i like the fact that there's like okay we're gonna experiment with that in in oregon and then see how it goes um but uh yeah the the stuff that i've seen just at a glance seems real smart um but and i think that's right like i i and i think that biden and his team have been talking um, very openly about the fact that they they plan to do as much as they can to exercise the authority of the presidency very quickly. You know, like he's already said, like, hey, we're back in Paris climate. You know, we're back in WHO. Uh, don't, you know, like that stuff he's already announced even before he's taken the oath. So... You know, they're they're making moves, man. They're making moves to repair some of the damage and, and theoretically restore some global confidence in the U.S., although I think that's more a matter of, like, we need to get a, a couple more elections under the belt before the rest of the world is like, okay, you guys are cool again. Yeah, we're, we're, you know? we're still that, that crazy relative that you have a discussion on if you invite them to the holiday. Well, yeah, like the, there's a watchful eye that needs to be kept on us for a while because it's like we went um, for four years. We just had a bender and are now coming back. And we're like, no, man, we're sorry about that. That was crazy. <laughs> uh, look, uh, but everything's good. I'm, I sobered up. Every, I'm back at the table. And they're like, yeah, we're still cleaning the shit out of the fish tank. So <laughs> go get yourself screened. Speaking of coronavirus, Biden just saying, like, I implore you people to wear a goddamn mask. Right. <laughs> he didn't say goddamn, but. Oh, I wish it, he would. That would be cool. But, you know. We, uh, but we'll I think it's, it's what you need a president to be saying of just like, look, this isn't a partisan thing. This is a patriotic thing. Put on a mask. That's all we're saying. Just put on a mask when you go out in public. That's it. That's it. Just, uh, but it's nice to have a president that says it, you know? Yeah, it, the basic things that you kind of forget used to exist. That, you know, it, like, you, you feel like, oh, well, that that's taken as a given. But when there's been four years of just, you can't count on that. You can't right, count on yeah. the basic level of administrative duty. Or something like that. Yeah, much less the formal niceties like 
do you honestly believe that Donald J. Trump is going to write a letter to Joe Biden and leave it at the Resolute desk? It'll be a drawing of a middle finger. Right. Or just wipe like, his ass with it. <laughs> Here we somebody go. Scanned, scanned his ass on a copier. Um, yeah, right. Like, there, you know, uh, I, I think making the rounds recently was the one that uh, G.W. Bush um, had, or G.H.W. Had, had left for Clinton. The last the, one-termer. Right. But but left this beautiful letter about like you know today as I enter the Oval Office for the last time I am still humbled by the power of this place and that kind of thing and like look I mean you and I are no fans of George Herbert Walker Bush but you know like that again it was a different time where being a Republican meant you had different ideas about how to make the country a better place. Yeah. And social ideas, like, I mean, there was definitely a lot of that in there, but, but it, you know, it, it, that, that was also at the time where you would have a George H.W. Bush say, we need to be uh, kind to one another, even though we have political differences. Meanwhile, the political ads were fucking savage. Yeah, that's and, true. Republicans have always been really good at the negative ad. Speaking of which, well, yeah, the please. Lincoln Project monorail. Lincoln Par Project. Uh, um, I again, these feel like Republicans that we can talk to, and aren't lunatics. Like, and again, people on the left. If you think that Republicans aren't necessary to pass legislation, I I don't know what to tell you. You gotta you gotta take some civics classes. This is how it all fucking works, people. So we need reasonable people that we can reach across the aisle to. The Lincoln Project uh, went out of its way. Uh, uh, also, Republican voters against Trump, Arvat, was uh, a player in, in Florida. They didn't, you know, obviously Florida didn't go for Biden. Came pretty fucking close. And, and there were a lot of uh, Republicans there and abroad. One, one of the first elections I can recall where Republicans crossed the lines in these numbers, not the ones in the Senate, like nobody was winning any medals in, in, in those hallowed halls, but uh, a lot of like Republican governors and, and ex-politicians and so forth uh, coming out uh, against Trump, I thought um, was, was un certainly unusual. Um, and, and at a time like this, like that was, that gave me some optimism that there were, there were still people out there that could disagree politically with, uh, a Joe Biden, but still understand that he is fundamentally a better human being than Trump. And, and so, and also would not fucking destroy the country. Like everyone has a vested interest in the craziest part of the population, not running everything. Um, you need some responsible people to steer the ship. And um, yeah, so all that stuff, I think I think that stuff has been great. And I hope that it is the foundation for being able to um, to extend that communication to the rest of the Republican Party. It, I mean, again, that's cockeyed optimism, but why not? It seems like the groundwork is laid to be able to say like, these are people that disagree with us, but also we can have a beer with and, and enjoy being around. I'm, I'm waiting to see on if they, um, 
how they go after things because I, I noticed they were relatively absent in the Amy Barrett confirmation times. They were very present in the anti-Trump campaign. I, uh, I want to see what they're doing during the Georgia runoff. And I want to see if they, they maintain that goodwill that they gained with a lot of uh, non-Republican people or if it's going to be a self-serving venture. But as we come close to the end of this episode, what uh, yeah. what are you looking forward to the most? I think I have – I don't think I've actually asked this. January 20th will be the four-year anniversary of this show. Uh, I kind of ramped things up after the election last time. Sure. And, uh, I can't yeah. imagine why, but – Yeah, right. Um, so come January 20th, and I, I really don't think that I've asked anybody what they're looking forward to the most ever in the history of this show. So <laughs> I will dare what, to what ask. What are you, you optimistic about? Yeah. <laughs> um, so let, one, one thing, not to extend the show even longer, but I, let me just address the thing you said about the Lincoln project acting in their own self-interest. Um, I think, of course, they will. I think with the Amy Comey Barrett stuff, um, it was a conservative judge, and it's a conservative group. Let's not be, let's not, uh, let's not be, uh, cl- you know, uh, closed-eyed about that. Um, they have a very specific kind of Republican that they are going to go against. If it is, uh, if it is a a Republican Supreme Court justice, that probably ain't the person. Um, if it is a QAnon weirdo, because what what that group and groups like it are in it for is to save the Republican Party. They're not trying to help the Democratic Party. They're trying to save their party. And they understand that the extremist Trump group of the Republican Party is ultimately cancerous. So they're trying to excise that without losing the party as a whole. That's their whole game. Um, and, and, and to that end, when our, and I think this is right. I think that's how politics should be. When our interests align, we are certainly happy bedfellows and there are going to be times when our interests very very much don't align and we're going to be at opposite, uh, ends of the table, but we're not going to shut off the possibility of our interests aligning again in the future. So I think like a uh, a Kelly Lafler in Georgia, I think you might very well see Lincoln Project go against her. Um, but a more mainstream Republican, well, they're they're probably gonna be on his side, you know, or I'll leave Romney side. alone. Yeah, they're not gonna go against a Romney. They're not gonna go against a Rubio or a Ted Cruz. As as crazy, like they're sycophants, but they're not crazy. Um, but you know, again, like the the QAnon people and and that kind of thing, I think you're going to see him uh, try to get rid of that part of the party, and uh, and that's fine. You know, again, if the Repo- if the Republican Party that l- survives Trump is one that once voted with us to elect Joe Biden, that's a Republican Party we can kind of work with. That's that's the kind of Republican Party that can pass like a decent budget. That's not crazy. You know, that kind of thing. Um, so let's not look that gift horse in the mouth. But, but uh, to your question of what am I looking forward to? 
Um, I think the swearing in is going to be great. I'm really looking forward to inauguration day. Um, I hope, I hope someone has the foresight to make the joke because it's going to be a sparse gathering because of COVID. Yeah. Um, well, and I hope the, the, the Trump fans are booking up his hotel for his inauguration. Um, fine, because again, because of COVID, this thing was never going to be the most attended inauguration. And in fact, they may hold it in a very small venue because just to discourage people from gathering, you know? So, but what I hope is that someone has the foresight to then later claim that it was the largest uh, group of people <laughs> that had ever attended an inauguration. Like clearly when it's not, then Get Sean I think Spicer to do it fun. too. He's not doing shit. Right. He's on dancing with the stars. I, like that guy can be bought. Um, yeah. So uh, that I, I hope someone has the foresight to say that, but I am really looking forward to the swearing in. I, I, I do go in for that kind of ceremony. I'm a, I'm a sucker for democracy, Darren. And when when you see a president sworn in, that's, you know, when Trump was sworn in, sworn in, one of the reasons it hurt so much is because that is the president being sworn into office. Um, one of the reasons this is going to feel so good is that somebody else is being sworn into office. Um, that's going to be great. Um, also, there's probably going to be me better musical guests uh, than if Trump had won. Um, but other things I'm looking forward to, I'm looking forward to see, uh, how aggressive he gets with the executive, uh, orders. Um, I think there really is some exciting stuff that could be done. Um, not just to undo what Trump did. Um, I'm optimistic and I'm looking forward to see whether or not a couple of years of Biden can genuinely lower the temperature in the country. Like, I don't expect that right away. But imagine at midterms, if everything's just kind of going pretty good, like we're getting, like COVID is kind of behind us, uh, you know, we're dealing with it at least, and, and people who aren't taking the vaccine are dying, and we're like, take the fucking vaccine, stupid. Um, but other than that, like the economy is surging again, people are starting to go out of their house, they're starting to travel again. Uh, there's a kind of a, a spirit of optimism in the country. Like that is something that could really happen. And in that moment, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those suckers, Darren, that believes that as unlikely a candidate as Joe Biden is, this fucking pasty old white man may be the right dude to make everybody in the country feel like the president being boring is kind of cool. And, and that we don't need to be at odds all the time. And so I'm, I, what I'm looking forward to is, is the future, Darren. Something I haven't said in a long time. I'm looking forward to see what happens next because I, for the first time in a long time, and, I, and I, you know, I'm sure there are people on the other side of, of this uh, political divide that feel exactly the opposite. But for the first time in a long time, I feel like, um, there is an opportunity for this country to be the kind of country that we are in the movies and, and not necessarily all the president's men where it's all the corrupt real shit, but the America that, uh, pops up in all the like black and white world war two movies 
you know, where you lose Jeff from Brooklyn, who was your best buddy storming the beach in Normandy, but you did it because the world needed you. And, and that kind of shit. That's the thing I'm looking forward to. And there still are a lot of problems in America, but there is also a, a, there is also that sense that we can all be Americans and, and that we can have a shared sense of purpose. And, and somebody, the, here's the trick, and here's why you need a leader, is that you need someone to define what that single purpose is. And for Trump, it was to, to boost his ego. It was to love Trump. And, and you know, for us, a, a, a certain uh, portion of the population, that was fun. You know, that was, that was their guy. But for the rest of us, um, having a president that that gives a more a more unifying vision of the country and says like, hey, our mission right now as a country is to heal ourselves, you know, and that's kind of what he said in his his speech uh, this past Saturday was, you know, when he kind of quoted the uh, <laughs> the the um, the song. No, it was the the Bible verses. Uh, about, you know, there being a time to, to sow and a time to reap. And he said, you know, and now is the time to heal. And that's what we have to do in this country. Um, you know, I think the reason that was such a prominent part of the speech is because I think Biden senses that is the thing that he wants to tackle most. It might be his white whale. Like, it might be a thing that he very quickly discovers he is unable to tackle. Um, it depends, you know, like, like everything, it kind of depends on how the right-wing media spins it. If the right-wing media spun this as Joe Biden reaches out to the right, we have a chance. If they spin it, cynical, sleepy Joe treats all of you like dum-dums, then we're in trouble. So Sleepy Joe is coming to kill you. Right. Yeah. You know, he's he pretends he's not a socialist because he's never, ever said a socialist thing in his life. But secretly, <laughs> he's uh, a socialist. I wish he was as left as Fox News says he is. But I still right. I look forward to pressuring a president not from the depths of a black, black chasm. <laughs> yeah. That that's that's me. There there will be things that Biden will not come left on, but he is not Donald Trump, which is was a cornerstone of the election, but very much so. I mean, no way in fucking hell that Donald Trump's going to do anything that Donald Trump doesn't want to do. Joe Biden has shown himself to completely go against things that he used to support when he's been shown that a lot of people are into it. Yeah, and 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 again, this is going to sound like I'm being a total patsy for for Biden. Um, but I also think it's like not only do most people agree with it, they also think it's the right thing. I think that matters to him. You know? Uh, um and and I think that's why he's so resistant on the defund the police stuff. And I, I don't think it's because he's trying to be like willingly anti-progressive. I just think he's an old man and he's just like, get rid of police. Are you fucking crazy? And, it, you know, that's just where he is, man. He's an old man. But 
I, I think you're right, though. I think that he's willing to bend way further. Like, clearly, clearly, he is going to be able to direct the country in a more progressive way than Trump. Like, if Trump had, had won a second term and, and carried through with it, I, you know, like there are so many, like the, the, the thin line between the uh, judicial and executive branches was, I mean, we were perilously close to him using the attorney general as his thug. And he seems uh, to be itching for it. He wants to, and, and Barr seems to like that role. And, and, and that's horrifying. And just knowing that Joe Biden is stepping in the, into the presidency with like the idea of using an attorney general to attack his political enemies is as foreign to Joe Biden as driving when you could take a train. You know, like that, that's just not where his head's at. He's not an authoritarian. That's some straight up bunk, Jack. That's a bunch of malarkey, Jack. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I also look forward to teasing a president about being an old man rather than being a Nazi. Right. Yeah. He's going to be. But also, here's the thing. Every time you tease him about being an old man, someone's going to show you a picture of him hugging that kid again. Uh, yeah. when he's just like, Hey, it's going to, you're going to be all right. Aren't you? No. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. Oh man. Brings a tear to my eye. Just thinking about it, Darren, the way he held that kid's head in his hand and was just hugging him like a dad. Fuck Darren. Like that's something you never saw Trump dude like with no with his grown children like there was a thing <laughs> sorry to turn this into just a Biden love fest but fuck it how often do we get a chance to just celebrate the fact that we won the presidency um the the at the big fireworks display there was there was a moment when he kind of leans over to his his son and he he says you, like it was silent but you could just make out the words where he said you ever seen anything like this where he was genuinely excited by fucking fireworks? You know, that's the kind of president I want that has a sense of wonder and excitement about shit. Like I, Joe Biden had never seen that shit in his life before of those drones and fireworks and stuff. You know, he was just like, how the fuck did they do that? How'd they <laughs> Kamala? How'd they do that? <laughs> That's something I never imagined, you know, growing up in Scranton, Pennsylvania. <laughs> right. And, and like him with his grandkids and stuff and it like, like holding his grandkid on his shoulder and that kind of thing as the fireworks were going off in the background, like that kind of shit was like, man, we just haven't seen this from the white house in a while of like, like people loving their family and hugging and smiling and laughing and, you know, and even Biden saying dumb shit like, you know, Kamala, you and Doug, you're Biden's now, whether you like it or not. You know, that kind of old man shit, like, pull my finger. You know, that kind of stuff. I fucking adore it because he's such he's such a lovable old goof. Um, And, and that's what I kind of, uh, I, I always liked about Biden. He just seems like a guy who believes what he believes and says what he says. And he, and he means so well, like there is not... An, an ounce of malice in his heart, but sometimes he just says dumb shit. 
you know like that's that's the biden i've always liked and that's the president we've got and and having him like vetting him through the campaign and seeing those videos of him not just in this campaign but from years ago just and it was these random acts of kindness videos of and that was the narrative was just like look what a nice guy he is and and things like obama saying you think i'm bad working a rope line like ask the secret service about joe biden couldn't get the fucking guy in the car you know <laughs> like he just shook hands with everybody he told stories and shit because he's a grandpa joe you know um and and I, I adore that man i'm so i'm uh, like i'm so happy that that's who's running the country that we have this lovable old grandpa instead of this like frowning scowling spitting tyrant that alone makes me feel so much better you know like that you could have you could have told me that we wouldn't have a covid vaccine for another 18 months as long as i know that you know joe biden is being like don't give me that malarkey how i know our scientists can do better you know like if that guy is in charge great great we're gonna get there like i i feel a a a sense of possibility with with joe biden that just doesn't exist in a world with trump yeah there are two different kinds of grandpas the grandpa that you don't want to get dropped off with for the weekend and the one that you do and uh yeah and and until we get uh rid of the electoral college or rank start uh ranked choice voting it's there's gonna be a lot of strategic voting and uh yeah but it's just uh working with the system while you change it yeah i mean and and the thing to feel good about too if you're if you're a Democrat or just tend to vote Democratic, however you identify yourself, um, that the the popular vote has gone to the Democratic candidate seven out of the past eight presidential elections. So we're there's something we're doing right. Like we got we got problems with the Electoral College and that kind of thing, but more people in this country believe in our vision. The thing that we have to do as, as a party and as a movement, and I said this the last time I was here. But it's the thing I believe is that through kindness and love, we we have to keep showing the rest of this country that our ideas are better, not because we're smarter, but because our ideas are going to help them too. That it, it it's not because we we are are better and brighter that we deserve to run things. It's because we all think that these ideas are going to make this country and the people in it better and happier and healthier and safer. And, and that's the argument that we need to keep making. And again, do it with kindness, do it with respect, do it with love. And, and that is how I think we, we keep winning. I think you just wrapped us up, man. (laughs) I, 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 you need to, you need to plug some stuff. Yeah, I can plug. I can plug stuff. Um, obviously, legionpodcast.com is where you can find this show and, and many, many others. And and thanks to all the new listeners, which we clearly have a, a, a several of. So um, uh, for me personally, if you want to hear more out of me, where I just kind of shit on things and don't talk about things about like optimism and love, um, then you can check out Pick 6 Movies with my pal Chad. 
uh, and we we do six movies built around a single theme for a season. We are wrapping up our James Bond season called Bonds, James Bonds, where we look at one movie from each of the James Bond uh, actors. And uh, and that has been a real journey for me as someone who doesn't really care for James Bond movies. So that uh, my approach has been slightly different. Um, <laughs> and then uh, Duncan Abo come correct. A new episode just dropped the, literally the day that we're recording this. And we are continuing our look at the amazing show Lovecraft Country. Uh, if you're not watching it, you should. Uh, it's all wrapped up now. But Duncan and I don't know that because we haven't uh, finished watching the show yet and done those episodes. I've got two um, episodes left myself. Okay, so you're about where I am then. You might be one episode ahead of me. But uh, what a great show. Um, and, oh, geez, what am I forgetting? Uh, oh, oh, on the you can go to patreon.com uh, forward slash Legion Podcast if you want to support Legion Podcasts. Uh, not only uh, can you support the network and help pay for servers and stuff like that, but... Uh, you can get a bunch of like free commentary uh, and movie stuff uh, over there uh, that I do. And uh, then Hero Hero Go Show has a new episode that will be coming maybe this week. Uh, it depends on how much of the editing I get done. <laughs> and um, that feels like it, but that also feels like a lot. Uh, that is a very busy schedule. Like Bo said, please continue to check out this show, even though it wasn't listed among his favorite political shows to listen to. But I only <laughs> named one show also. Hey, it, and I know you heard this uh, promo already, but if you would, if you go to legionpodcast.com, there is a GoFundMe there. Um, legitimately. If you contribute to that, here's what happens. I'll give you an honest to goodness, true story. Um, somebody emails me and says, Hey man, I got a problem. Uh, I, I need some help paying. Uh, some bills this month and I say how much and they tell me how much and then I send them that money <laughs> and yeah. so that that is where that GoFundMe uh, stuff goes uh, is people who are, are having a tough time uh, of things as well as a couple of uh, like Lambda Legal and a couple of other organizations we, we've given a little bit of money to uh, when, when the moment seemed right to do so um, so uh, if, if you're interested in those kinds of organizations and also just straight up just helping people uh, get by in some cases uh, when maybe they wouldn't if, if they didn't have us to, to talk to. Maybe they would. Maybe they would. I'm not saying we're the only game in town, but they didn't have to go anywhere else because we could help. And the reason we could help is because people are donating uh, to that GoFundMe. So if you got a couple of extra bucks, doesn't have to be much, $2, $3, $4 whatever uh please do uh and then i'm i'm done i'm done huckstering for charity now <laughs> <laughs> you shameless shill for charity yes i god is my witness uh it, it, this is a hundred percent true hand to god whatever you need me to do to to prove the veracity of this statement we have we have given out way more money than the gofundme has taken in uh in, in various forms to help people so um yes please help but that does not mean that if you are in need uh please drop me a line bo bo at legionpodcast.com and we will certainly do our best uh if we are able and as i said uh in in many forms it's kind of a take a penny leave a penny thing like hey uh drop in some money uh if you got some extra and if you ever need a hand then hey you know let me know and and 
uh, will will look at taking a penny too. So, all right, yeah, that that's truly is. Yeah, apes together strong. A hundred percent. That is that. Look, that is the socialist heart of this network. Is that a rising tide lifts all ships, and and that is both uh, works on the podcast level. It works on the charity level. Uh, it works on the political level. If, uh, if 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 we do good work happily and well, we will succeed. Don't forget to fucking duck and cover everybody. I hope you hear <laughs> the cheer in my voice. This this yeah. Uh, here we here we go into the next chapter. I am quitting the show. The no. <laughs> now the Trump's gone. The show is over. I'm taking all the money. Uh, <laughs> no, no, look, Biden's going to do plenty to piss us off in like three months. Like the, right. the honeymoon will, will not last forever. So let's just enjoy it for now. And then we'll get pissed when he's like compromise on a public option somewhere down the line. But something somewhere. But it's going to be better. It's, it's been shown that we can fucking better. do it. It's going to be better. It's going to be better. Yeah, that that is the thing that you can listeners, you can walk out of here right now. Uh, humming that tune to yourself it's gonna be better Yeah.